there's too many people that go on these waterways that if something happens, they just have no clue what to do. I mean, you get in the trough of one of those those sets and you're you're getting flipped. It's important to know what you're doing and you got to take it serious, especially the big water. That's Master Captain Cheryl Smith, and you've found the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast. Glad you're here. Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast, inspiring real women with a passion for fishing and the outdoors to go get their adventure on. Now, here's your fearless host, Angie Scott. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm super pumped you are here. We've got an amazing guest on the show today, outdoor girl Cheryl Smith. She's obsessed with fishing and works for companies like St. Croix Rods, Vexilar, Church Tackle, Daiwa. And most recently, she got her master captain's license through Mariner's Learning System. That's not an easy feat. Trust me, I know. I'm just going for my six-pack license, and it is a lot to take in. But Mariner's Learning System makes it as easy as possible. I don't know if any of you listened to Episode 5 of the It Pays to Fish podcast, but it was all about getting your captain's license. I thought it would be fun to bring on a woman who's actually been through the entire process and succeeded. Exciting news as well for anyone listening who's interested in getting your captain's license. I contacted Captain Bob with Mariner's Learning System, and he's agreed to reactivate the special coupon code that we used back in episode 5. And that code is it pays to fish, and you'll get 10% off any of their products including the Captain in a Box program. I'll put links to all of those things in the show notes, which you can find at anglerstyle.com slash 15. I'll also reshare the free Captain's checklist guide I put together, which includes details on all the other little things you need to do in addition to passing your test. And you can gain access to that by going to podcast.thewomanangler.com slash checklist. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Now, one quick announcement before we dive into today's episode. You can now ask Alexa to play the podcast. You just need to enable the AnyPod skill, and then you can say, Alexa, ask AnyPod to play the woman angler and adventurer. Then she'll say, Now playing the woman angler and adventurer, powered by Angler Style. On this episode... Lone Star Law Game Warden Laren Williams 014. Yeah, you know, men traditionally don't have to do that. That's Laren Williams. She's been a game How cool is that? All right, let's jump into my conversation with Master Captain Cheryl Smith. Cheryl, welcome to the Woman Angler in Adventure podcast. In doing some prep for this interview, I noticed that you've had some prior radio experience. How did that come about? Um, well, I work for St. Croix Rods. I'm a pro staffer with them yeah. in Daiwa. So uh, Schomburg's our big fishing show in our area, and Chauncey has a booth there every year. So just seeing each other and talking, and then we work some of the same events, and we just happen to be at Bass Pro for a whole weekend together up in Gurney, Illinois. And just became friends, and then he asked me to come on after talking and said, you know, I really need you on my show to, you know, encourage other women again. Um, 
just to get out there and enjoy the outdoors because so, so many of them are just afraid to make that leap and just go out. I think they're just a, they don't feel comfortable because of all the men that are in the industry and that are out there fishing in the outdoors and they're not going to bite. And then what was it that made you go about getting your captain's license? Well, I, I owned a business. I had a hair salon for 19 years and sold it. It wasn't my passion. It was just something that we did to like get by, pay the bills. Um, my husband had the idea. He was in construction and he thought it'd be nice to have that constant, you know, flow of, of money coming in because construction is so, you know, iffy sometimes he gets laid off. And so it just was a nice thing to keep a constant amount of money coming in to pay our bills. But it wasn't my passion. It wasn't something, I mean, I was, I was good at it. I enjoy talking to the people, but I wanted to be outdoors. Mm -hmm. And when I sold it, I just found that the perfect opportunity to go and do what I want to do and do something that I'm going to be happy doing. And that's being on the water. Um, I love to fish. I love being just out in nature and, I like I like being alone out fishing, you know, just on shore, and I like being on boats with people. But just being outside um, is something that I just have a passion for. I'd rather put my money into my fishing gear than a fancy house. I just <laughs> love being outdoors. So I just, you know, I, I was trying to think of things to do. Like, again, you know, to your credit where you were saying earlier that um, it's, a lot of women just don't know any direction. I've said that from day one in this industry since I've been started working in it. It's it's really hard to find a road. You have to pave your own because there's no set avenue. There's I mean, yeah, people know fishing guides. People know, you know, be a pro staffer. But beyond that, it's almost like you're walking around aimlessly for a period of time until you figure out what your niche is because there is there is no nobody really out there saying, you know, this is what you can do. So I decided, you know, my husband's like, why don't you get your captain's license and be a guide? And I don't really have a passion to be a full-time guide. Mm -hmm. Um, I, but I want to be outside. So I figured I'll just get my master captain's license and drive a boat, you know, downtown, a tour boat or something like that. I love to challenge myself. So, you know, eventually I could drive a tow boat and drive barges and my license covers all the way up to driving a cruise ship is, you know, if I had the tonnage and experience. So I just like the idea that the master captain's license gives you so much, um, that you can dive into and learn. And I just, I love to learn. So being on the water and having that unlimited ability to learn different boats and meet different people and have different experiences and being outside is just fantastic to me. So that's why I went that route. Did you get the, the towing endorsement as well? I did. Okay. Awesome. What, what was that yeah. whole process like? Because I know firsthand it's not easy at all. And, and how long did it take you? Um, for me, it took me almost a year and it was funny because not really funny, but it was interesting because when I first signed up and I talked to Mariners, cause I went through Mariners learning system and I called them and said, you know, give me some idea of what to expect. And the first thing that he told me was life gets in the way. Mm -hmm. So dive into it as soon as you can, because I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that said, they're going to bang this out, get it done. And they're going to have their license. And he was so right. My husband got hurt on the job. He got laid off a few times. So he was home. It was hard for me to study. And then he got hurt, like I said, and he had to have surgery and we're waiting on another surgery. So the library was my saving grace. I mean, I, between all the interruptions and not to say, you know, I love my husband and I, I hate that he's going through what he's going through, but it's also, you know, I have to get this done. Mm -hmm. So the library really saved me being able to go there every day and it, 
just force myself to study. And I just found being there at the library, six hours would go by like nothing. Yeah. And it was, it was great being able to be there, but I, I put in a lot of hours of studying and you have to, you have to know this stuff. And another thing that they told me at the beginning was don't try to memorize it. Make sure you understand it because the test is all about that. You have to understand it. And if you're going to be on the water, it's a big responsibility to have passengers. So you really do have to understand it. And I know a lot of people struggle with it because they try to memorize the questions and, um, I know you said you're going through the learn, uh, Mariner's Learning System also, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we don't have a classroom setting. Right. We have to, you know, really learn all of it. In a classroom, They, from what I've heard, they teach you a lot of what the test is, mm-hmm. where the Mariner's Learning System, you have to know all of it because you don't know what's on the test. Right. Uh, Which yeah. is a great thing because you have the knowledge. Right. And I wondered, that's interesting you say that because I've heard of these classroom settings where, like, you know, it's really intense, but they teach you in a weekend and, or maybe three days. I don't know how long they typically are, but I'm like, how? How is that even possible? Is it is my understanding of that right? I mean, it's usually like yeah. an intense weekend and then you take the test or... Um, yeah, I think um, Barb Carey just went through it, and I mm-hmm. think it was a week for her, for the OUPV 6-pack. Okay. And it, she said it was really intense, and I'm sure it is, but I don't, I can't fathom how they could learn all of it. No. I feel like I the they, first module maybe in a week. <laughs> like, that's right, how much exactly. information you have to have to take in. Um, navigation so. alone, I don't know if you've made it to that yet, but navigation is is really tough um yeah. i mean it, it, i'm sure it goes quicker if you have an instructor that knows how to do it showing you i mean i took my map to the schaumburg fishing show and i set it down on one of my captain friends boobs and i said show me how to do this <laughs> because it's so frustrating when you want to learn it but you don't have somebody to show you yeah well i've not made it to that section yet but um i did i was actually in the uh, coast guard auxiliary and I was okay. I was going out for boat crew, and that was part of it. So I remember laying out the map, taking out the tools, trying to figure that out. So I've got a little bit of firsthand uh, experience, good. so that might help when I get to that, if if I remember any of it <laughs> by now. Yeah, so. it, to me, the hardest part getting started with navigation was learning how to move the parallel ruler across the map. Uh. <laughs> I could go one way, but then I felt like it wouldn't go the other way, and it was... It was ridiculous, and once I figured it out, when he showed me, I said, this is crazy that I couldn't figure this out. But your brain is so, like, tuned to just study and get this done that little simple things like that can throw you off. Mm -hmm. But it's good to know people. I think what you said, too, about, like, you know, life gets in the way and you have to schedule it because you you only have a certain amount of time, I think, from when you get the program to win, you have to take the test. You do. You have a year. Yeah. And my my end date was June 9th, and I tested on May 10th. Oh, wow. So I was kind of a nervous wreck going in, and that's another reason why I studied so hard, because I'm like, I got one chance at this. Yeah. and uh, I have to pass this. If, if I don't and, get a move on, that's the situation I'm going to find myself in. <laughs> so, yeah, try not to put yourself there, because it's enough stress as it is to... <laughs> Um, to even you know get to that point, but as long as you know the material, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's 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 a fun 
process. I enjoyed it, even though I was a ball of stress the day of. <laughs> um, I kind of, I mean, I knew I knew the information, but it's just you don't know how you're going to be on test day. Right. And it's like fishing. You know, there's days where you're on and you know you're going to catch fish, and there's days where you're like, I might as well just sit down in the boat. Right. Because <laughs> you just don't have your act together. <laughs> but it, it ended up working out good. 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 Yeah. It, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you were successful, and that's super encouraging for me and I'm sure for anybody else out there listening who's either going through the process right now or thinking about t- giving it a shot. Yeah. Um, it's so worth it. I told my husband over breakfast one morning, I said, you know what? He's like, I'm so proud of you that you're doing this. And I know how hard it is. And I see how stressed out you're getting. And I said, it, here's the thing. It's anybody can do this. Mm-hmm. Anybody can go be a lawyer. Anyone can go be a doctor. Anyone can do anything they want to do. They just have to do it. And they have to work for it. Yeah. And as long as you put in that work, you're going to be successful. Yeah, I think it's something like this is definitely something you really have to want to do. To you be, do. You yeah. do. So along with just taking the test, like learning the material and taking the test is just one part of it. There's a lot of other elements involved, um, which includes like logging. Was it 360 days on the water? Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how did you go about that? process did you like try to go back all the way to when you were um I think it's 14 or something like that where you can start um recording? yeah I didn't go back that far uh-huh. I because I have a lot of hours in the water so um it wasn't too hard for me to log them it's just a matter of I wanted the bigger tonnage boats so I made sure I got time on those because mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm actually I'm going for the 100 ton and you never know what you're going to get you know, when you send it to the Coast Guard, it's up to them what tonnage they give you. When you go for a master, it's the 25, 50, or 100 ton. Mm-hmm. And whatever they give you is what you start out at. Most of the jobs in the city require 100 tons. So I try to make sure I got as many hours as I could on the bigger boats to try to hopefully get, get that from the Coast Guard. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's from what I've I've done a lot of research on that because it's confusing and it's frustrating just doing that paperwork. And I've talked to the people at Mariners and I've talked to other people that have gone through it and they all say, you know, do the best you can because we don't have log books mm-hmm. from all of our hours or a whole lifetime of being on the water. So you do the best you can. Um, I know that I have the hours, so it's just a matter of right. getting them on paper. How, how did you go about getting time on the bigger vessels? I have friends that have them, so it's just okay. a matter of making some phone calls and saying, hey, this is the process that I'm thinking about doing. Can you, you know, get me on your boat? And then there's some that I've already had hours on. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of, you know, just trying to get people that you know to say, you know, I just, I need these hours. Any way I can come and help you out and with a fishing charter or something like that. And, you know, it's being in the industry, it's good to know people. Yeah, definitely. Were there any challenges throughout this process that you faced that you felt were maybe like, extra challenging being a female and trying to go for a captain's license? Personally, no. Okay. I don't, but I'm one of those people that I just don't, I don't look at life that way. Mm-hmm. I just, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, everyone was really encouraging. You know, some people say, well, why do you want to do that? But, you know, it's a valid question. Um, no, I really, honestly, I haven't felt any, 
thing that holds me back is being a female doing it. Um, there's not many of us out there. If anything, I got more more encouragement. I actually got a message from the uh, president of Mariner's Learning System this morning on my Facebook. Oh, cool. So he somehow tracked me down and congratulated me, so that was pretty cool. Was that uh, Captain Bob? Yeah, yeah, yeah Captain okay. Bob. Awesome. Yeah, I've talked to him yeah. before we set up. We actually were able to set up a coupon code with Mariner's Learning System for when I did the episode through the It Pays to Fish podcast. So if anybody wanted to get 10% off, they could use It Pays to Fish as a as a code. Right. Any little bit helps because it's not, it's not a cheap system. It's an investment it's for not. sure. Yeah, because even if you look at what it costs to purchase the Captain in the Box, um, you still have the cost of your doctor's appointments, your CPR, first aid, AED, mm-hmm. things like that you have to get. Um, so there's extra costs that you really need to think about before you start the whole pro- process, your TWIT card. And that's another thing in this whole process is uh, Captain Bob is who I talked to in the beginning, and he said, make sure you get that stuff done, but make, keep keep an eye on the timeline because it has to be within six months, I think it is, for your TWIT card, your physical, and your drug test. Um so he said, don't do it too soon, but make sure that you do it in a timely manner to where it works out. So when you're done testing, you have all that because people try to struggle on the other end of it mm-hmm. to get all that done. Because I, I had a hard time finding a doctor to do the physical because it is such a different physical. So I ended up finding a doctor that was uh, an aviation doctor. Oh, wow. Okay. That was able to do it all. So that worked out. Interesting. I, yeah, I hadn't thought about that yet. I just assumed I would go to my regular doctor, but maybe I need to <laughs> look into that now. Yeah. Before it's too well, late. the problem you can do that, but what it is is you end up piecemealing it because you have to have a hearing test, you have to have a special vision ah. test, and then they have to. You'll see when you look at the paperwork. It has you. The doctor has to do a bunch of things to prove that you can carry a fire hose across the deck and carry fifty pounds and things like that, and stand and kneel and climb. So there's a lot to it that they have to check off. So it's just a matter of finding a doctor that's willing to do that and has the hearing test available for you at the office. With all of these elements and and the, the you know the studying and the time, do you think uh, would you recommend to somebody out there who's like just wanting to improve their knowledge um, and maybe not necessarily looking to monetize or or you know turn it into something where they make a living from it would you recommend going through this process i actually would um what i would like to see though is we let me backtrack a second when i was taking my test um, my proctor test there was a guy there from barrington out in my area that was taking it just for the knowledge for that reason mm-hmm. he was taking his oupv6 back not to you know monetize on it not to get a job and doing anything with it. He just wanted to know because he has a boat and he wanted to have a little more knowledge. And we were talking during the, you know, before our test was ready to go, I said, you know, we really need something that's streamlined for people because now we all have the knowledge, but how many people are out there on these waterways that don't? Mm -hmm. So if I signal them with a whistle or my horn or, you know, whatever the proper, the way to do it, they, there's all these other people on the water that have no clue what I'm saying. Right. And what we're doing, and it's dangerous. It is. And there's, it's, I mean, you, you look at the chain of lakes, I don't know if you've ever been on that or if you're familiar with it, but it is one of the busiest inland waterways in the United States. Mm-hmm. And people are drinking out there, and it gets crazy during the summer on the weekends. 
and you add that with people not having the knowledge of right of ways and the rules of the road and it's it's kind of scary to think about oh totally so i think i think it would i think it'd be great if they had like a shorter class you know like for your driver's license you have to have a license to drive a car you should have some type of certificate to drive a boat i i believe now i know i don't know about everywhere but i know like in the state of tennessee for instance uh, if you were born after a certain date, you do have to have, uh, you have to go through a class. It's a very short, simple class. Um, so I don't, oh, okay. I don't know how detailed they get into like signals and things like that, but I would hope that that's, right. that's part of it. But now any, I think it's like 1983. So anyone born prior to that doesn't have to have that. And um, we do, you know, there's obviously there's boater safety courses that people take and you can save a little bit on your insurance. So that kind of encourages right. some people to go through that. I know when I got my pontoon, I went through it just because I wanted I didn't want to be one of those people out there that didn't know <laughs> what I was doing right. or what the buoys meant, you know, and, and all of that. So but having a houseboat and just the few times that I've taken that out, you know, it's a 66 foot houseboat it's a pretty good size and i'm out there on the lake oh yeah you know these boaters they have no idea and like they come by and they wake me and um you know it's it it gets pretty crazy i always have to make sure my horn is working because there's no doubt i'm gonna have to use it at some point (laughs) right right and i mean even for houseboat you would think too fire safety would be important being on the water Mm -hmm. um that it i don't know how that works if you guys have to do they teach you any of that stuff in that class or they do yeah that will okay good uh, yeah that's definitely part of it and um (laughs) i get confused too though because i I was going through the coast guard auxiliary and boat crew training and so sometimes i get confused like what did i learn in boating safety and what did i learn through that process (laughs) so right right you're ahead of the game yeah i might be slightly more educated than uh than the average person but than I was yeah <laughs> so yeah it's a really fun process and I would encourage anyone that even if they're just interested in it it's it does take time it is it can be difficult at times but it never hurts to learn more and if you're going to be on the water it's you're only going to benefit from it yeah I agree um if you have the the resources to do it too because that you know like we mentioned is right. is a big part of it so all your experience on the water so far do you have any crazy stories or any get caught in any storms or anything like that so far um well lake michigan we you know things happen quickly out there we've been out there when there's been water spouts um oh, I, I don't know if you've ever had that experience it's pretty i haven't pretty hairy but it's it's um it's amazing to see i mean you're at first you're just kind of in awe of it they're off in the distance they're just they're basically water tornadoes mm-hmm. um wow. but you don't really, at first you don't even think about them getting to you or what you would do because it's not like you can run away i mean you can drive your boat but you still have to get off of it and um you have to you know tie it off but um it they ended up staying out further but they split off into uh sisters and I think there ended up being four of them out there at the time. Wow. But we kept fishing through it. We were catching <laughs> Lakers. It was fun. <laughs> but Lake Michigan gets crazy. I've been out. There was actually one time I, I didn't know if we'd make it back. Um, out of Waukegan, there's a narrow shelf that goes way out a few miles. And once you're out there in that 100-foot-plus water and then you try to come back, if you have some hairy situations with 
waves and wind, um, it just gets worse as you're trying to come back. So it's, it wasn't a fun day. Um, we were out there pre-fishing for, I was doing salmon tournaments with a, a buddy of mine and I was driving the boat and he was hanging over the side trying to get the downriggers up. So I was worried about his life, wanted yeah. to make sure he stayed in the boat. But yeah, we ended up getting like six, six to eight foot swells out there that day in a 17 foot boat. Oof. <laughs> yeah. I was white knuckling it all the way back. It was scary, but yeah, it's just, I mean, that again, it's an experience, you know, I'd, I'd been out there plenty of times to know what to do and how to drive into the waves. And there's too many people that go on these waterways that if something happens, they just have no clue what to do. I mean, you get in the trough of one of those, those sets and you're, you're getting flipped. It's important to know what you're doing and you got to take it serious, especially the big water. We were out there perch fishing one time. And it's, I don't know if you've ever experienced that either, but it's a city of boats on Lake Michigan. You mm-hmm. have over 200 boats, like bumper boats out there, and you're just waiting for that school of perch to come through. And you start seeing people lifting rods, and you know they're coming. And we had probably two-foot swells when we got out there. And then it started to gain, and we got like three-foot, four-foot. And there was a boat with three senior citizens. Um, they were, I think, all in their 80s. And they decided they wanted to stay on the fish. They tried to back troll mm-hmm. to stay on them. And the waves just kept coming over the back and the mm. bilge couldn't handle it. Oh, no. And they capsized. And the water was like 32 degrees. Oof. But, you know, here we are in a city of boats. I'm about a half a mile away. And I'm looking through my, my camera trying to see what's going on. And there's all these people standing around on their boats, on their decks, just watching these guys flailing around in the water. <laughs> And no one's helping them. Wow. So we flew down there. We, we helped get him out of the water. And there was another guide out there that I knew. And he brushed over. And between us and him, and there was one other boat, that's all that helped. Wow. There was actually a guy standing on his deck eating a sandwich just watching them. So you gotta you have to definitely be careful out there. Uh, they ended up surviving. They were fine. Good. They made it um, yeah, to the hospital. And they were actually released that day. But you got to be careful. you got to respect the water and... I love being out there, but I definitely respect it. So I'm curious, how did you get into fishing in the first place? It's, I was six years old. It's a weird story. I was six years old. Um, nobody in my family really fished. My parents, my mom did a few times when she was a kid, but never really talked about it. My dad was a city boy. He never really got into it. I was in my backyard playing at six years old, and I had a neighbor named Ronnie. He was probably 19, 20 years old, something like that. And he had his tackle out in the back on his back stoop. And he was going through it. He was going fishing later that day. And it was one of those things where my it's like a, a camera thing where it's just like zooms right into that, you know, into his tackle box. And it just, <laughs> I had to know what it was. So I hopped the fence. I ran over there and I was, I asked him what he was doing. And he had this little jar of bloodworms and I was just so intrigued. And I just sat there and just in awe and just asking him all kinds of questions and, ran back and told my parents, I need to go fishing. And they're like, what? They're like, no, that's a boy's thing. And I'm like, no, I want to go fishing. So I drove them crazy enough to where they got my grandpa to take me, caught my first sunfish. And then by the time I turned 16, I jumped in the car, grabbed my brother, and we bought some uh, rods and reels, and we just figured it out. Wow. I just, it was like an instant love for it. I don't know. Yeah. Just, I was born with it, or I didn't really have many people in my family that did it. I just loved it. And never stopped and just kept learning and trying to find as many people to teach me as much as I could. Mm-hmm. 
and then going out and experimenting. The biggest thing that I ever did that I would give advice to people that helped me so much in fishing is I would go to the local river and I would bring one lure, a lure that I've never caught a fish on. And I would go back every day as much as I could until I learned how to catch fish on that lure. Mm. It was frustrating as I'll get out, but I learned so much. That's cool. That's that's great, it, great advice. It, you do. You learn a lot. It's frustrating, but it's fun. And how did you get to the level of having pro staff positions? I always loved the companies that I used, um, the rods, the reels, the mm-hmm. different companies that I work for. And I figured, you know what? I advertise for them so much as it is wearing their logos and using their rods and reels. And I'm like, you know, I would love to work for them because I, I found myself selling this stuff, being out on the river, being on boats, mm-hmm. I hand sew my rod and they'd go and buy some. And I'm like, you know, I might as well go work with these guys. So I ended up just sending a resume and St. Croix was the first ones that hired me. Mm-hmm. And they're like family to me now. I've been with them for going on eight years now. And, um, they just took me in and, well, like I said, we're like brothers and sisters. We're just, we get along perfect. And then XLR and Iowa, and um, I have some groups that I work for that for Hummingbird Dakota. But I just, I love selling. I love talking to people. I've always been in the customer service industry. So it's fun for me. I love that you're with St. Croix Rods. Was, I just bought my first one uh, a few weeks ago. And I was at Bass Pro, and I was I just joined a, f- a local fishing club, and so we're doing tournaments, and I don't have that much equipment yet, like good equipment. And so I've been kind of slowly, you know, trying to add a couple more here and there. Um, I'm I'm only up to three now, so <laughs> three good. You're gonna be hooked now, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, three good bait casters, but I I was at Bass Pro, and I was like had one rod in my hand. I was kind of walking around. It was a I think it was a Bass Pro brand rod, and I, I came across the Saint Croix ones, and I was like, oh, these look cool. And I picked it up, and I held it in my hand, and I was like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I have to. I looked at yep. the prices; a little bit more expensive, but I was like, "This is the most comfortable rod I've ever held, and like lightweight." And I was like, "I could fish with yep. this all day." So, which yeah. one did you get? You know what? I can't. Uh, it, it's. I want to say Mojo. Mojo Bass. Yeah, that's a great rod. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We just. It used to be an SC two graphite, and we just upgraded to SC three graphite last year or the year before i think it was um so it's it's a really sensitive rod it's a great rod yeah it was at first the the little purple color and you know kind of attracted me to it and then when i picked it up but i was like i was also looking for one that had a a cork um handle and and bottom because i heard that those you can feel a little bit better with that and uh yeah and so I picked it up. and You're yeah. not going to have a problem feeling the bites on that rod. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, they're really sensitive. Yeah. I, You know, and, and it's funny because, like I said, I've been with them for quite a few years now. And I used to um, start it out with the the ones that I could afford at the time, you know, the, the ones that were a couple hundred dollars or mm-hmm. 150 or 120 premieres. And then I ended up, you know, working my way up. And once I get on the Legend Tournament, um, the blue rods, I was like, there's no way they can improve on this. <laughs> and they came out, they reconditioned the legend tournaments. And I'm just like, they, how in the world can they be better than what they are? Uh-huh. 
then I picked one up, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> they keep coming out with stuff that's just better and better and better, and I'm just like, every time, I'm like, there's no way you're done. There's no way yeah. you can improve on this. And then they do. That's cool. <laughs> so yeah. I'm really glad I worked for them because yeah. it, it helps me. Yeah, that's awesome. So I can get more rubs. And where can people go to find you online? I have my Cheryl Smith Outdoor Girl page, um, and then I also have Outdoor Girl on Instagram where I announce like where I'm going to be and what I'm doing. And, um, yeah, I pretty much keep everything on there. I don't have a blog or anything. It's Social media is one of those things where I do it because it's important, but I'd rather be out fishing. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally get that, 100%. Yeah. Well, we'll put links to those in the show notes so people can go check you okay. out. Do you have any final thoughts or anything you want to share? Anybody that has any questions on... Um, that they're just too afraid to ask anybody else, send me a message. Um, I mean, asking questions is how you you get knowledge and you, you know, learn how to do different things. And there's no, there's really no stupid question in this industry. And it is frustrating sometimes if you want to, you know, meet people and learn to fish. And a lot of times you can just walk up to people when you're out fishing and ask them questions and they'll, most of them are pretty decent. I've never really ran into any problems with people. Um, they want to teach people. And also, for the young single females out there, any age, actually, there's so many guys in the fishing industry that are looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it all the time. You don't want any single girls that fish. <laughs> so it's, there's there's a high demand for women that fish that are single right now. <laughs> My friends keep telling me, you got to tell people that I'm single and I'm looking for girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's Because, you know, they love to fish and then they end up finding females that end up don't fishing and hate it and then it's just nothing but a fight so right no those those females are definitely in high demand right now (laughs) that's funny (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think i just think that if you want to do it just go out and do it you know if if someone um came up to me and asked me questions i would definitely help them out i've had females walk up to me at the different shows and at uh, the store visits that I've done, and they're like, oh, good, there's a girl here. Because they're, they're too embarrassed to walk up to a guy, and mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, those guys are going to help them out too. But, you know, I'm glad there's more girls in the fishing industry that can help people out and allow these women to feel more comfortable. There's a lot of single moms out there too with little boys and girls that want to learn to fish, and they don't know where to start. So there's a lot of good clubs out there, like you're saying, and I'm involved in some kids' clinics that, you know, I'll go and try to get, the little girls to get out there and have the confidence to catch some fish too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. And I'll, no I'll... problem. It was great talking to you. Well, that concludes this episode of the Woman Angler and Adventure podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Master Captain Cheryl Smith. And just a reminder to check out the show notes at anglerstyle.com slash 15. And remember to use coupon code at pays to fish at marinerslearningsystem.com if you're interested in pursuing your captain's license so you can save 10% on any of their products. Thanks as always for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>